we are uh, in week two of our Ruth series, uh, in which we're we're just kind of slowly but surely making our way through the book of Ruth and talking about kind of what we what we see here. What do we see about God here? What do we see about us here? How does God respond to us? And so we're looking through all of that. And last week I gave you a challenge. Uh, I said I don't want you to read ahead. All right. Uh, so. Did anybody read ahead? Let's just be honest here. I'm gonna. We'll just say that. Anybody read ahead in the book of Ruth? Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I figured Bill would. Yeah. So, all about following directions, right, Bill? So, uh, <clears throat> uh, I hope I hope you didn't. I hope you kind of stuck with me here. Like I said, we're gonna move kind of slowly and surely through the book of Ruth, uh, and just kind of see what God has for us in kind of this, this tension that, that gets held here, uh, especially in the first few chapters of Ruth. It is like any story. It gets resolved in the end. Week four is going to be a really fun week, uh, and really next week is going to be a really fun week too, but there's, there's some tension that we need to get through and kind of work our way through as we get there. And so uh, that's, that's kind of where we're going to be today. We're going to be in chapter two today, uh, four chapters of Ruth, four weeks in Ruth. We're going to go chapter a day. Uh, uh, this week is chapter two, and uh, so just to review where we are in the book of Ruth, we've gone through one chapter. Uh, in the in the first chapter of Ruth, we're introduced to a woman named Naomi. She's kind of the the main character so far. Uh, her husband Elimelech uh, is. Uh, trying to provide for his family, and there is a famine in the land of Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread, and there is no bread in the house of bread. There is a famine in the land of Bethlehem, and so Elimelech moves his family uh, to try and feed his family and provide for his family, moves his family out of the promised land. Remember, this is the promised land, the land that God has given his people, moves his family out of the promised land into a land named Moab. And Moab is a land that is, that is very unlike the promised land. Moab is a land where, where there's a lot, of, a lot of bad stuff going on here. There's a lot of false gods. There's a lot of sexual sin here. There's a lot of uh, polytheism, the worship of multiple gods. There's all kinds of stuff here going on in Moab. And this is the place that Elimelech brings his family, Naomi and their two sons, out to to be able to try and provide for them, to be able to say, here, there is food here. And so we, we get into this story, not very far into it, verses three through five, we have kind of this 10-year nightmare that happens in Naomi's life where, where her husband dies, and not only does her husband die, in this 10 years, her two sons, who have now married Moabite women, also died. And so here we have this tension between, uh, not between, but with kind of Naomi and her two daughters, Ruth and Orpah, daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. Now, we've got three widowed, childless women trying to make their way in this time and age. It's not an easy thing. And so we have <clears throat> Naomi talks to Ruth and Orpah. She says, look, I, I can't provide for you. And I'm, I don't have any sons, and I'm not going to have any sons. Even if I was going to have a son, would you wait for him to grow up so he can marry him and, and be provided for him? No, go home, go back to your family. I, I hope you find a husband. I hope you find a life. I hope everything works out for you. Really, Naomi is, is all kinds of grace here to these women. I, I can't take care of you. Go to some place where you can be taken care of. Now, Orpah, after crying with with. Naomi and Ruth 
Orpah takes the advice and she leaves. Ruth does not. Ruth is the, the speech that we have in 1.16. This is the familiar speech. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Basically, Naomi, I'm not going anywhere. This is what Ruth is saying. Naomi, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going to get rid of me that easy, right? I'm going to go with you. And, not, and just think about what Ruth has done here. Ruth has basically committed herself to a future of being a widow and being childless, having no one to provide for her, and just this is the life that Ruth is committing to. And so they go back to Bethlehem. Naomi and Ruth, they walk back into Bethlehem, and people in, in Bethlehem say, hey, isn't this Naomi? Naomi means lovely, beautiful. Isn't this Naomi? What is going on here? And Naomi just kind of stops them in their tracks and says, don't even call me that anymore, because that is not who I am. Now you can call me Mara, because I am bitter. I'm bitter. Mara literally means bitter. You can call me bitter, because that's what I am. And we're kind of left at the end of chapter 1 with with kind of this, this tension here, this, this bitterness with, with Naomi saying, look I, look, I know who God is, but I just feel really abandoned right now. I know who he is. I know that God is almighty. I know he is great. We know that just by the way that she addresses God as she's complaining to people, but she's still complaining. She's bitter. I know who God is, but, but man, it just feels like he is far from me right now. And at the very end, we get kind of this this foreshadowing, this, this kind of truth-telling of they get to Bethlehem right as the barley harvest is beginning. And that's where we pick up our story today. Two, chapter 2, <clears throat> starting at verse 1, just like last time, we're going to take, uh, take it nice and slow. Uh, we're just going to kind of work our way through here and just, just kind of try and immerse ourselves, place ourselves into this story. So, chapter 2, verse 1. We're, intro- we're uh, introduced into the next uh, main character of this story. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Again, we are introduced to Boaz. Boaz is going to be a main character for the rest of this book, so don't forget his name, don't forget him. Boaz is an important man in the book of Ruth. And really, at the end of this, I just, just remember this, Ruth and Naomi, they are both widowed, they are both childless. We talked last week about the needs that they have. They are in need of food, they are in need of family. Enter in Boaz. Boaz is kind of like the, the knight in shining armor of the story, right? Uh, Boaz is the one who, uh, who we know a couple things about. We're going to learn a little bit more later, but Boaz right now, we know two things. The first thing we know about Boaz uh, is that he is from the clan of Elimelech. He is related to Naomi's husband, right? He is in the same family, the same clan. So in the, in the Israelite structure, kind of went like this. You had your family, you had your clan, and out of that clan, you had your tribe. There were kind of these three circles. You had your immediate family, and you could really start with four if you want to go individual, but you have your family, you have your clan, and you have your tribe. The clan was the, probably the most important piece of this kind of setting, because your clan was really made up of all your extended family. There was a responsibility that you had with your clan to provide and care for those who couldn't do it themselves. So we read about Boaz here, and we know as the reader that Boaz is part of Naomi's clan through marriage, part of Naomi's husband's clan. So we know that. 
Second thing we know about Boaz from this is that he is a man of standing. Now, we're not... We're pretty sure we know what this means. It could be talking about his wealth. It could also just be talking about uh, his character. It's the same word that we see in Judges chapter 6 when we're talking about Gideon. It talks about Gideon's might and his valor. It's the same word here. So we're not entirely sure what he's talking about here, but we know that he is, he is a good man. We'll just leave it at that. He is a man of good standing. He is a good man. Later on, we, we find some other things out to allow us to say he's probably a wealthy man as well. So this is what we know about Boaz. But Boaz isn't quite in the action yet. We'll read verse 2 here. And Ruth, the Moabite, <clears throat> which just understand every time it says the Moabite, we already know that. The author is trying to just reiterate she's an outsider. She's not from here. So Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in, whom, in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. Now, what's going on here? This is actually, uh, if you go back with me to the, you don't have to go back with me. Leviticus is kind of, Leviticus is kind of boring. But this is actually uh, back in the book of Leviticus that we have this, this law given by God to take care of the widows, to take care of the, the destitute, the poor. Uh, here's, here's what it says. Leviticus chapter 19, starting at verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. So God has put into place in this culture a, a way for the poor, for the foreigner, to be able to eat, to be able to live. All right? God is all about life. He wants people to live. And so God provides this way for the foreigner, for the poor, which Ruth is both, uh, to eat. And so Ruth says to Naomi, hey, I'm going to go to this field and just, if there's anybody that really takes seriously the command of God, which is a, a pretty, pretty great statement coming from a, someone who we're con, constantly reminded of that is a foreigner. If there's anybody that is, that is following the law of God, I'm going to go get some food. So they go. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, <coughs> entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, which <clears throat> the language here is like how we would say, as luck would have it, <laughs> as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech, just in case you forgot in three verses who he is. As luck would have it, Ruth the field that she finds to follow the harvesters and pick up some grain is Boaz, his field, his workers. Now you can just see kind of the, the Hallmark movie beginnings here. You'll, you'll see it as we continue here as well. Uh, but just, you know, yes. So as luck would have it, out of all the fields that she could have picked, there was this one. Now I, just, I do just want to stop here and just remind us just the author even saying this, as luck would have it. It's, a, it's kind of a sarcastic kind of word. Basically, the author is reminding us, there is nothing that happens on accident with God. 
When God is in control, when God is in the picture, there's nothing that happens just, there's nothing accidental about this. But as luck would have it, as it turns out, the field that she goes to and begins to glean belongs to Boaz, who is from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. So here's like the next step, right? There's this foreign, poor woman. I'm going to go find a field. Here's this field. Oh, it belongs to Boaz. Oh, look who shows up. It's Boaz, right? We have the, just kind of, just follow with me, all right? There's kind of this, this arc here of, you know, these, these movies, these kind of rom-coms, if you will, the ones where uh, just everything that happens just seems so illogical, but it happens. It's usually the bad, bad romantic comedies, but this is what it is. It's a, it's a Hallmark movie, right? You get there, and just all these things just start to happen, and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. There's none of this should be able to happen. This is kind of what it feels like here. Right? There's this woman. I'm going to go out to the field and find some food. As luck would have it, I'm in Boaz's field. Oh, look who shows up. It's Boaz. Right? Boaz, Boaz shows up here. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? Not who is she? Just as if the author is trying to say again, she's not from here. Who does she belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Boaz hears this kind of update. He gets filled in on who Ruth is, and his response is to go and talk to her. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Now, this is just wild at this point. Because think about who Ruth is. She's this foreign woman from Moab who's poor. She goes to this field to harvest. She's just thinking, let me pick up the scraps. And here's this man, Boaz, who basically says, stay with, stay with these women. Stay with these women. If you get thirsty, take a drink from one of the men's water. Now here's this culture where foreigners filled up the water jars for the Israelites, where women filled up the jars for the men. And here's Boaz saying, if you're thirsty, go and grab some water from one of the guy's jars. He's just, just flipping a whole lot of social norms on their head in this, in this just two, two verses here. Right? <clears throat> and at this, <clears throat> excuse me, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Now this goes back to even just verse 2. Right? Let me go f- to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whom I... Whom, 
in whose eyes I find favor. Remember, Naomi is going out searching for people who would look on her in favor. And then she asks him, why have I found such favor in your eyes? What, why, what have I done that you could notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, <clears throat> how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay for you what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. This is, this is I think, just a, a beautiful dialogue here between Boaz and Ruth. Just... This is, this is, I appreciate all that you have done. Now, what we don't see here, Boaz never tells Ruth how he's related to Naomi. So we have this, this day where Ruth meets Boaz, understands his generosity, understands who he is, but doesn't understand the significance of what's happening. Just keep that in your mind as we keep going here. Because in verse 14, <laughs> He invites her to dinner. He invites her to dinner. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks from her, for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. She had threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. You guys all know what that is, right? Yes. (laughs) An ephah is about 30 pounds worth of barley. 30 pounds worth. The, The daily ration for men at this time was one to two pounds. So you can just see the generosity, like the, the overly generous piece of Boaz here. Take more than you would need. Take, take, take all of this and take more. Take the leftovers that you had from dinner. Take this 30 pounds of wheat that I'm giving you. This is going to feed you for a very long time. Take this. So she carried it back. Verse 18, she carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. So not only, Naomi, do I have all of this food, here's my leftovers from dinner. We have been provided for, Naomi. We have all we need and more. So Naomi is now excited, right? Naomi is kind of like a little bit giddy. You can kind of understand that her, there's some exclamation points in what she's about to say. She's excited here. She's like, she's not bitter anymore, right? There's the bitterness, it's still probably there a little bit but, because she's lost some family members, but there's some excitement here in Naomi. And I just want you to remember this tension because, because Ruth knows who Boaz is but doesn't understand the significance of Boaz. And Naomi knows the significance, knows who Boaz is, but has no idea where Ruth has been. 
And so we have this conversation here. Her mother-in-law asked her, verse 19, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Two words I want you to circle, slash star, whatever you do in your Bible. Kindness is the first one. This kindness that is talking here is not just like a, a, a good deeds kind of kindness. This is a, a loving kindness. This is grace. This is mercy. This is typically attributed to God. This is the kind of kindness that is here. This man has shown kindness to us. It's a loving kindness. It's a grace. It's a mercy. It's deeper than just a normal kindness. She's, and then there's other words, guardian redeemer. Some of there say kinship redeemer or kinship guardian or uh, there's a lot of different ways, different versions put this. The NIV here says guardian redeemers. Just circle that. Remember this, this piece of who Boaz is. Again, because Boaz is part of the clan of Elimelech, because Boaz is related in this way to the husband, he has a right basically to provide. He has a right to, uh, it's, called, it's called the right of redemption. Basically, he could, he could buy back land that they had lost because of the deaths. He could buy back everything that they had and basically redeem that family to what they once were. Boaz had this right as the, the guardian redeemer, but basically he had, he had the right to redeem them, he had the right to provide for them, and he had basically the, the will to provide for them, as we see here. Then Ruth the Moabite said, we'll, we'll talk about both of those terms a little more next week as well. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed, which is very true. There's a lot of history there that says that's very true. Verse 23, so Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and the wheat harvesters were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. That's the end of chapter two. Now, just see, this is, the, this is just, we're halfway through the story and there, there are a lot of different just avenues that this story goes. There are a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different lenses that this story carries with it. But you just, you can see the tension. Last week we left it in this tension of Naomi and Ruth. They were widowed. They were childless. They were in need of food and family. That's kind of where we left it last week. They had these needs in their lives. They needed food. They needed to eat. They needed family to provide. So chapter 2 verse 1, we meet a guy named Boaz and we hear through chapter 1 and we see that they're being provided for. They're being provided for for food by family. We'll, we'll come back to the family piece over the next couple of weeks. But they are given food. We have this kind of first resolution to the conflicts that come up in chapter 1. Naomi and Ruth are no longer hungry. 
They have more than they need for right now. I mean, they, she took home 30, 30 pounds of grain on day one. Who knows what she took home on the other days? But I think we can see, even just from the generosity of day one in Boaz, that Ruth was taken care of. Naomi was taken care of. They no longer had to worry about food. That was not an issue for them anymore. But we still have this this tension. They are still widowed. They are still childless. They are still in need of this family. We'll come back to that tension over the next couple weeks. But we see, even in the midst of this, even in the midst of the bitterness of Naomi, we see just just kind of bridging the gap between chapter 1 and 2 here. We see Naomi at the end of chapter 1 in a pretty dark place, feeling abandoned by God, feeling like God just doesn't really care about who she is. Like, I I understand the greatness of God, but when I went away, I was full, and I came back empty. That's what she says at the end of chapter 1. I'm bitter. I think we see, just from this example in here, we kind of foreshadowed it last week, but even in these times where we feel like God is absent, where we feel like God is not near us, I think we can understand that God is, is laying a foundation for his faithfulness to be shown to us. God is never far. God is never absent. He's never not around. It feels like that sometimes. It really does. It feels like, God, man, why, why don't you care about this? God, why? Sometimes it's, doesn't it just feel like God is late? <laughs> God, why are you late on this? I've been praying this for so many weeks, years. I've been praying this for so long. Why, why do you just feel so late right now? God, why do you feel like you just don't care right now? God, why do you feel like you're just not around right now? You ever thought those things? Just me? That's good. <laughs> but even in those times... We understand that even though we might not see or feel or hear God in those moments, that God could be just laying the foundation to just show us how faithful he is to us. That's what happens to Naomi here. You just see the excitement in the backside of chapter 2. Like, who has shown you this much kindness? Oh, it was Boaz. Man, isn't God good? Isn't God amazing? Isn't God faithful? Man, this is such, such a good story. I don't just want to leave it here, though. I want to just, what, is this, what does this teach us? What do, what do we see from these things? And I think ultimately, the point of the book of Ruth, the author really is trying to show us through Ruth and Boaz and Naomi and all these characters in here, that is trying to just show us who God is, trying to show us the character of God inside of these, inside of these people. He's showing us some of the some of the aspects of God, and just think about Boaz here. Just we'll just we'll just say this. What is the you can just see it just in chapter two. There's kind of the you could see the gospel in chapter two just through Boaz. There's kind of a gospel according to Boaz here in chapter two because in chapter two, Boaz seeks the outcast as family. Boaz seeks the outcast as family. Remember, Ruth, we are constantly reminded of this, that Ruth is an outsider. She's not from here. She's not from around here. She's not supposed to be in the promised land. She's a Moabite. She's supposed to be way out there, living in that land over there, where they do all kinds of stuff that is not like us here. She is not us. She's a foreigner. But here's Boaz, who just looks at her, and you can, you can just see just kind of the interaction between Boaz and Ruth, and it sure feels like they are family. 
It sure feels like he has welcomed this foreigner, he has welcomed this person into his own family. There were, she's working the field, she's eating at his table. She is literally being served by him. He has welcomed this foreigner in his family. Welcome the outcast, his family. He, I'll just use language here, just even from verse 12. Boaz here is, is sheltering her, sheltering the weak, if you will, under his wings. All right, verse 12, Boaz is talking to Ruth and he says, look, the, uh, you'll find rest under the wings of God in, in whom you seek refuge. But doesn't it really just seem like Boaz is that wing? <laughs> Boaz is the place where she is finding refuge. Boaz is where she's, she's coming up with all of that. Boaz is there. Boaz is the one who's making sure she's not abused or mistreated. All right, Boaz serves the hungry at his table. I mean, just think about the scene at dinner that night, the very first night that they meet. That morning, she has come to the field and asked the harvesters, can I just follow you? Pick up your scraps. Some, somehow or another, her story is shared because the, the head harvester, when Boaz asks, who does she belong to, he tells him the whole story. She's the one who came with Naomi. She's the Moabite who came with Naomi. And then Boaz, understanding who she is, understanding what's going on, invites her to the table. I mean, she's, he's, he's serving the hungry at his table. And he's showering the needy with grace. I mean, not just a little bit of grace. Like, not just a little bit of good stuff. He's just pouring it on, pouring on the grace onto Ruth. I mean, for, think about this. The guys that she is following around are going home with one to two pounds. That was their daily ration. And here's Ruth walking through town with a giant pack on her back with 30 pounds worth of wheat. And this is, this is, this is showering on grace to the needy here. This is, this is the gospel according to Boaz here. The gospel is right here. The gospel, we can see it loud and clearly through the actions of, of, of Boaz here. And I think there's maybe a couple applications here that we can have. Because as we see Boaz and as we see Ruth, I think there's a couple things that we can take from both of them. One thing that we can take from both of them to apply to our own lives of what we can grab from this. I mean, from Boaz. From Boaz, I think we understand that we need to care for the poor. We need to care for the poor. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18, says this. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Now he's talking to the Israelites who were foreigners in Egypt, but this is, this is clear in the New Testament as well, that we need to care for the poor. We need to. It's still a command for us today. I think if we look at the example of Boaz and think, how do I live out the gospel like Boaz did, I think this is a huge piece of this. We need to have a heart for the poor. We need to not look at them as less than or other. We need to have a heart for people who are poor, who are less fortunate, who are destitute, who are widows. We need to take care of those people. 
And then you look at Ruth. What does Ruth teach us about our life in Christ? Oh, I mean, from Ruth, I think we, we understand this. We can understand that we can rest. <clears throat> we can rest under the protection of the wing of God. Amen. We can find rest in God. I mean, just think about Ruth's experience here, just in the first two chapters. Ruth meets a guy in her hometown, falls in love. He's an Israelite, doesn't matter. All of a sudden, her father-in-law dies. Her brother-in-law dies. Her husband dies. She decides she's going to continue to be faithful to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She's going to go where she goes, stay where she stays. Her people will be her people. Her God will be her God. She's going to go. So she goes into this land. And even just last week, one of the first things Naomi says, I have come back empty. Here's, Na- here's Ruth standing right next to her, but I have come back empty. There's a clear picture of who she is in this culture. But she goes out to the fields, knowing that the people of God, if they are faithful to God, will provide for her in the way that God has provided. And what does she find out? That God is faithful. That she doesn't need to worry about being hungry anymore because God has provided for her. She can rest knowing that God is faithful. We can rest under the protection of God. I mean, this is what verse 12, even just Boaz, even just kind of reminds her of this. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It just reminds me of, verse, of Psalm chapter 46. I just want to read to us as we go this morning. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks bows and shatters the spear. He burns the fields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I think we can lean into this promise today. We can trust in this promise today that we can can trust in God. That he is our fortress. He is our refuge. Be still and know that I am God. Even when it feels like he is distant. Even when it feels like he's not there. Even when it feels like he doesn't care. Even when it feels like he's late. Even when it feels like God just isn't who you thought he was. We can still, and even in those moments, be still. And know that he is God. Know that he is faithful. Know that he is almighty. I think 
Let's take these two examples from chapter two, from Boaz and from Ruth. Let's take those into our lives this week. Let's be people who have a heart for the poor. Let's be people who understand that God is our refuge. He is our ever-present help in time of need. That we can go to him with anything and everything. We can be still and know that he is God. I'm so excited to get into chapter three and chapter four over the next couple weeks. It's gonna be so good. This is a good story, yeah? Don't read ahead. Don't do it. Let's, let's do it together next week. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, thank you so much for this week, for today, for the time we get to share this morning in your word, the time we get to share just praising you every weekend. God, it's such a, such a blessing to be able to just be here with the family of God, worshiping you. God, this morning, out of the book of Ruth, we, <clears throat> we see these two examples of what it looks like to live our life for you. One of them from Boaz, who has a heart for the poor, takes care of the foreigner. And one from Ruth, who is, is a foreigner, who just puts her trust and puts her life into your hands. God, would we go ahead and do both of those this week? Would we go forward and be and live out of these two lenses? Would we see life through the lens of Boaz? Would we see it through the lens of Ruth and understand that you are God? This week, would we find opportunities to, to do as Psalm 46 says? Would we find opportunities to be still and to just know that you are God? Would you remind us of your presence? Would you remind us of your hope? of your grace and love that you've bestowed on us. God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Why don't you just hold out your hands and just receive this blessing from God as we go this morning. Would our God, the God who loves and cares deeply for you, Would he go with you and ahead of you this week? Would he remind you of his presence in your life? Would he remind you of uh, just who you are in him? And would that give you courage and boldness to go make a difference for him and wherever you may find yourself? Go in the grace and peace of our Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming.